Hi, and welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I'm here again with my lovely wife, Natasha Mason. Hi. There she is, over to the left. Um, So we're back again. This is episode 31, and we're going to probably title this one, What is Sukkot? Um, So we're going to talk about this holiday that is called Sukkot, and I want to kind of get into it a little bit. so uh, if you're a Christian, if you're, uh, hopefully everybody listening is, if you're not, um, we have other podcasts that's sharing the gospel. Uh, but if you're a Christian, there's going to be some uh, holidays that we tend to celebrate uh, as Christians. Can you list a few? Easter. Right. Christmas. Who? Christmas. For Christmas, right. We celebrate Easter and Christmas. A lot of well, a lot of Christians around the world do. Um, Easter is celebrated for the resurrection of Jesus, and at Christmas time, people tend to celebrate the birth of Christ. That's um, really kind of the only. Yeah, there's a yeah religiously um, themed Christian holidays. Right. Well, there's like Lent. What is that? I don't know what that. That's stuff in your pocket. So oh, that's not. Okay. I think that's a Catholic holiday. It's not really a um, biblical. We won't get into all that on all three of those um, yet. We'll do those at other times in the podcast. Uh, but those are typically holidays that um, Christianity has recognized for uh, man, maybe eighteen hundred years or more. Um, so we're going to get to uh, this holiday called Sukkot. So it, it's a biblical holiday. Um, and I want to kind of explain it's coming up. It's going to be in the uh, middle of October. And I want to explain a little bit about what it is and what it means and how it kind of uh, relates to uh, the Christian life. Because um, that's what this podcast is about. It's about Christian living, Christian life, um, trying to see things from God's word that we've never seen before or things that we've never been taught. Because there's a lot there. Um, inside the Word of God that, that, you know, even I, a couple years ago, there's so much there that I still don't know. Um, And I'm always finding some new things uh, that the Lord just reveals them or shows them. So probably 15 years ago, I got into um, a little bit more of the Hebraic roots of the the Scriptures, Um, looking at it from the perspective of the Jewish people. Uh, Because we tend to, I think, in the... the, um, in the American culture, in the non-Jewish culture, we look at the scripture primarily as divided into two halves. There's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. The Old Testament is the law and the New Testament is the grace. And the Old Testament is for the Jews and the New Testament is for the Gentile, which would be those people who are not Jewish who believed in the Messiah. So we divide the Bible in half. And I, I dare say, if the majority of you went out today and you opened up your Bible to the very middle, there's going to be an empty page, a blank page right there in the middle of the Bible. It's separating the old from the new. Um, now, in the um, in the Word of God, there's no distinction between the two. There's not a distinction of this is old, this is the old Word of God, and this is the new Word of God. There is a reference to the old covenant and a new covenant, but it's different in, um, in biblical thinking. Um, we're not replacing a covenant with another one. It's just we have a new covenant to go along with what we had. Um, and there's different outcomes and all those things we've gotten into before. But in this episode, we're really going to look at the Jewish holidays from the Old Testament. They're given to us in Leviticus chapter 23. If you've never read them, they're in Leviticus. And God is giving them to Moses, um, the children of uh, Israel, and anyone also in Leviticus who is with the children of Israel. So this is not specifically something that was only related to the Jews. Um, when they came out of Egypt, it was a mass mixed multitude of people. It wasn't just uh, uh, Hebrews or the Hebrew slaves. It was anyone who wanted to go along with them. 
So when they get to the mountain of God and he gives them his 10 commandments, as we, you know, we so famously know from the movie. Uh, but when he gives them that it's for everyone who is present and it's given to not just the Hebrew people, it's given to everyone who is in that group. So there was the stranger who would be mixed in with them and he was considered a part of them. So when God gave them his law or his word, he gave it to everyone. And, and I think over the years we've separated the two and we said, well, these things apply to them and this applies to us. And so there's this huge division over time that we've done. We talked about a little bit of that in the last episode. So in Leviticus, I'm just going to kind of run down real quick. Uh, Leviticus chapter 23, there are seven actual holidays that God gives us. Uh, Start at number two there, if you don't mind. Number one on this list, there's eight that are listed here. And number one is the Sabbath. It's a, it's a uh, weekly holiday. It's a weekly rest. It's the last day of the week. Sunday. No, I just said the last day of the week. Saturday. Right. So (laughs) Sabbath is from, if you go back to Genesis, Sabbath is from Friday 6 p.m. to Saturday 6 p.m. That is the last biblical day of the week. Now, our current days do not follow along with the biblical timeline. Um, There's so much there we've explained in, I think, three episodes ago. So you can go listen to that and you're going to get a little bit more. Uh, But go ahead and start with the number two on the list. Passover. Passover. So that's where they're coming out of Egypt. Number three, unleavened bread. Right. So they're celebrating unleavened bread. That was another thing that they had to take with them when they came out of Egypt. Uh, there's, go ahead. First fruits. First fruits, right. Pentecost. Pentecost, yep. Trumpets. Trumpets. Atonement. The Day of Atonement. Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles. So in this list, there are seven different holidays that actually um, the Lord has given in Leviticus chapter 23. So we're going to look at uh, really what's really applying to us right now in the season that we're in because we're in, um, we're coming upon, I should say, the Feast of Trumpets. Uh, The Feast of Trumpets is going to fall at the end of September, uh, generally between September 30th and October the 1st. So you're going 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. Feast of Trumpets is, uh, it's a jump in time. The Feast of Trumpets, it goes from, you're going from the Pentecost, Feast of Pentecost, from May and June, you're going all the way to the fall. Now, the seven, and, and it's interesting because in Genesis, took God to do seven days, uh, creation, and we know seven is, uh, there's a numerical value there that goes along with these things. So, um, these seven feasts are unto the Lord. They're, these are the Lord's feasts. These are the feasts that God had given man, he wanted them to do, and he actually made the command that they should be done for all time through all generations. At no point were these feasts ever to stop They were because they reminded them of certain things. Um, and so to the Christian, there's a little bit of a difference as to what some of these things mean. Um, the Feast of Trumpets is really, like I said, it come, comes up between October, September 30th and October 1st. And the Feast of Trumpets to the Christian would be um, similar to... You could look at it maybe almost as a, like a rapture of the church type deal, um, where we're we're hearing this trumpet that is blown. Uh, the feast of Sukkot, uh, you got the feast of trumpets, the day of atonement, and Sukkot that all fall around the same two week period. And so at the temple, the people would gather in Israel; they would gather in Jerusalem, and the the um, the, the priest would come out and they would hear them blowing the trumpet blast, which was a call. The trumpet blast was a call for the people to come to the temple for the people to come together. So in the uh, in the Old Testament you see them blowing on this at this specific time of year, they blow the trumpet to draw to gather the crowd together. So this is what we see in the scripture when it says on the last day at the you know at the last trump, 
uh, with a shout of a, a mighty archangel. He's going he's gonna to draw and gather his people together. Um, so then you go to the Day of Atonement, which is also called Yom Kippur. All these, um, all these have different Hebraic titles to them. Um, Yom Teruah is the um, Feast of Trumpets. Uh, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. So you're going to hear that. People have heard that that term before. They don't know what Yom Kippur is. Leviticus 23:27 um, gives us some insight in it, and it says also on the tenth day of the seventh month there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your soul and offer an offering made of fire unto the Lord. This is this is the one feast that is not fulfilled by the church. We're not the ones who fulfill this feast. Each one of these feasts had something to do with Christ. He was the fulfillment of that feast. Um, when you look at them, they're, they're in the fall of the year, and uh, Christ is full. Like I said, he's fulfilled the stuff that happened in the spring of the year. And so these these are the last three feasts that the um, the people would celebrate. So the the uh, Feast of Trumpets would call them up to the temple, and they would gather, and they would hear that. And you know, we're going to hear that that same type of a trumpet sound. Then on the uh, Day of Atonement, this, uh, like I said, is on the tenth day of the seventh month. Now let's so everybody understands because I'm saying the seventh month. If you go seven months in our current calendar, you're going to wind up on a different month because you're going to go January, February, March, April, May, June, July. So you would say July seventh, right, in our current calendar, but that's not the biblical calendar. Um, the biblical calendar for holidays started in April, so you have to go from April forward. Um, you got to remember that when you're reading the scriptures, that the days were not the same 24-hour period that we have. Uh, the weeks didn't have names and the uh, months started in April. So you go April, May, June, July, August, September, October. So that's how we get to the fall of the year. Um, so between October 9th and 10th, um, this is when uh, the Day of Atonement comes around. This is the one feast, like I said, that's not fulfilled by the church because the church owes no atonement. We don't atone for our sins. Jesus atoned for our sins. So the fulfillment of this feast is still yet to be discovered. We really don't know. Uh, honestly, what this we know that Christ died for our sins and He atoned for our sins, but this is something different, um, and I think this probably has more to do with the um, He's calling His bride up, and then they're going, and the Scripture says there's a consummation of some sort between the the bridegroom and the bride. There's an atonement, um, so I'm not quite sure what is going to happen there. So then, a few days later, you get to the Feast of Sukkot. This is Leviticus 23, and it says, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be a Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. So you're going to have this week of tabernacling unto the Lord. Um, God wanted us to celebrate the fact that he had provided shelter for the Israelites in the wilderness. He'd given them shelter to live in. Um, basically, what they would do is they'd come up to Jerusalem, and you would build a Sukkot or a Sukkah in the street. You, would not put a, um, you wouldn't put a roof on it because you wanted to see the stars at night. And you would gather your family together and you would read uh, the scriptures. The people would come together and they would read the scriptures and it was tabernacling. So we look at this and this is also illustrated when Christ came. So how does this relate to the church, you might say? Um, because the scripture says that, that Christ came and he dwelt among men. Christ came and tabernacled among us, right? So he left his former glory and he came to earth and he tabernacled among us, um, there's a lot of different things. You know, the purpose of these is to uh, remind us of God's goodness. Sukkot is also called the season of joy. Um, and it's to remind us that God is a good shepherd. That was the whole point of 
of these feasts is to remind people of the goodness of, of their God. Um, Sukkot to the believer is a little bit different because we don't typically celebrate these holidays. Um, I think if you look in the book of Hebrews, it calls uh, Jesus, Yeshua, the Passover lamb. So we, we come back to these things that we see in the New Testament um, from the disciples uh, because they were Jewish and they were trying to point people back to these things from the what we consider the Old Testament or Torah. They're pointing back and saying, you can see Messiah in that. You can see Messiah in the Passover. You can see Messiah at Pentecost. You can see Messiah at the Day of Atonement. You can see Messiah um, when they're blowing the trumpets. You can see him in Sukkot because this is the time they would get together. Interestingly enough, when they got together at Sukkot, there would usually be a big feast um, and they would eat together. Um, one of the cool things about Sukkot was that the um, they would bring out lamps at the Temple Mount. So the temple was elevated above uh, everything around it. And they would bring out these lights and um, they would set the lights outside at night so you could see it. And it was almost like you were looking at a, um, a pillar of fire. Because mm. remember, you're there in the desert and the, the Lord has a pillar of fire go before him. And so that you were looking and they would see, if you were down below, you would see these lights up at the temple and it would just be this flame all around the temple and it would just be a, a magnificent. Um, the interesting thing is we know that Jesus himself was even in these celebrated these festivals. So I think one of the, the most amazing things in my mind is when we, we talk about things that Jesus did, and then we talk about things that we do, and we act like, well, we don't, we, we shouldn't do that. I don't have to do that. But then we look and we see that Jesus did it, and for some reason, we're just like, mm, you know, well, yeah, he's Messiah. I, you would think if he thought it was important to do, that perhaps it should be important for us to do. You would think so. Uh but for some reason, we've kind of gotten away from that. Uh, in the last in the last podcast, we talked about Martin Luther, the the Reformationist. Uh, we talked about him posting his ninety five thesis and a little bit of stuff there. And I think um, he was really pushing that grace. You're saved by grace, and the Catholic Church was saying you're saved by the sacraments, um, which are the wine and the and the bread. You've got to eat that, or you don't go to heaven, uh, or you don't go to paradise, or whatever they think you go now. Um, and Martin Luther was very adamant about removing the Hebraic, anything Jewish, from the church. They wanted to get that stuff out because they were so against the Jews because they had crucified their Messiah that they they threw everything away, even the Jewishness of their Messiah. I mean, right. Jesus is, he's a Jew. They tried to strip it off of him. Right. I mean, the sign above his head hanging on the cross, king of the Jews, doesn't say king of, you know, the Albanians or whatever. I mean, it's just, I'm just saying that it is... It's interesting to me that he is a Jewish rabbi, um, and he is walking and he is talking Torah, and he's he's the Word of God made manifest in the flesh. Right? That's exactly what he is. He is the Word of God made manifest in the flesh. He came to tabernacle among us and dwell among us, and everything that we know about him and who he is, he did not break any of the law. He fulfilled every bit of the law. He kept every word of the law. And we look at it and we go, eh, we don't need that. We don't need any of that. All we need is the grace of God. And I'm not, I'm not saying disparaging that in any way, shape, or form. We absolutely need the grace of God. But at the same time, we should be, uh, I think I quoted uh, where he said, take, take, um, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, right? So when you think of a yoke, what is a yoke? An egg? No. Your wrong kind of yolk. I like that. That was quick. We got chickens and she's cooking, so I know she's got eggs on the mind. So if you're thinking of a, um, say a bull or something that's working, right? The, field, the thing that you throw over the yeah, there it is. So you can plow the field. Boom, the yolk. So 
when we think of the yoke, we think it's 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 a it's a burden, and it keeps them in line, and and it's hard for them, and they strap this thing on them so they stay in order. It's and like they're so it's so heavy they can't do what they. <laughs> correct, well, and, but to the wild. to the Jewish culture, that's not what a yoke is, and that's not what a rabbi's yoke is. A rabbi's yoke is his learning. So when Jesus says, "Come unto me, all of you that are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you." Then he says, "What's the very next thing he says?" And learn of me because his yoke is his knowledge and it's his wisdom. It's not a burdensome thing. Well, you would think that, I mean, because if you love someone, you want to know everything about them. Right. Absolutely. So we get to these, we get to these feasts and these festivals and we see that Jesus said when he was 12 years old, they went up to celebrate a feast. That's why he was in Jerusalem. That's why he was at the temple. That's when they lost him. They're up there doing a feast. We see at his um, at his crucifixion, he goes up to Jerusalem again, and he's doing the feast of Passover with the disciples, and he's having a Passover seder in the, in the upper room, and they prepared that. Um, we see at this one at Sukkot. So <clears throat> Jesus deliberately took the festival of Sukkot as an opportunity to speak about himself, which was really interesting. So uh, a couple things, and I, you know, I had to go do some research because I know they drew the water from the pool of Siloam. Um, and, and the, the water that you drew out, they called living water. Um, and it was, let me find my note here real quick. Um, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out. This is what he said on the last, so it's seven day feast. And on the last day of the feast, they, they draw out this water and they pour it out. And Jesus stands up at the temple. Now he's in the temple on the last day of this feast at Sukkot. And he cries out while they're pouring out the water. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whosoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this, he said about the spirit, because that's what it's about. It's about, they're, they're pouring out physical water. And he's saying, if you'll drink of me, you'll never be thirsty again. And all these people are hearing this at Sukkot. And so he's relating these, these images and these things that they're doing to himself. Um, when we speak of living water, he drew that connection between that and the spiritual that would be given. Um, the, the pool of Siloam, they would draw that out and they would often call the vessels that they carried Yeshua. Um, and they would often call it salvation, you know, the vessel, silver vessel they would carry. And so they would call the wells of salvation. They're getting the water out of there and they're, they're taken up to the temple. Um, so in, in Sukkot, you see a couple different things. You see the light, you hear the trumpet, right? So we got the trumpet on the uh, September 30, uh, 30th to the 1st of October. You've got the trumpet blast and the people are called together. Then they bring out the, uh, the, the lamps and they surround the temple and there's a mighty fire and a bright light. And that's a representation of Yeshua as well. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got this bright light. Then we've got the people in the city and they're building sukkahs. They're building these little huts and they're, they're dwelling in the city. Um, they're coming together to have meals together and they're feasting together. Um, and then they're going up and they're having these, these ceremonies where water is being poured out of these vessels. And it's showing the image of life that they had to come to the temple to do this. And all of this is going on and Christ is there. Yeshua is there in the city and he is, he's pointing back to himself. He's not taking any of the, he's not robbing God of any glory because he is what God has sent to save us. So it's, it's an interesting thing because for the Christian, there's a little bit more there than what we've ever had or what we've ever really realized about the feast of God. We don't, and then there's so much more to this, but there, we get into it. Um, and we, we, we stick with our basic Joe basic holidays and our Joe basic. Well, I think um, people see Sukkot and. Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah as that's a Jewish thing, but right. it's 
a Jesus thing, really. Well, and, and we talked about, too, the scripture says that we are supposed to, um, we're supposed to make them jealous. And, and by them, I mean Jewish people. We're supposed to provoke them to jealousy. And I asked the question in the last podcast, how would we do that? And that's because we're supposed to love the Messiah their Messiah. We're supposed to love their Messiah more than they do. We're supposed to love his ways more than they do. We're supposed to follow his word more than they do. But it's not a different word, a different way. It is their Messiah. And if, Go ahead. if we love him and we love his ways and we love his holidays and we love his festivals, they're going to be compelled to jealousy because they're going to say, I don't understand why are you doing all these things that we've done for 2,000 years, 4,000 years? Why are you doing them? It's that opportunity. Well, it's like a, like a stepkid coming in and loving your daddy more than you love your daddy. And you're like, wait a minute. Right. You're, gonna, you're going to compel that person back to... That's my daddy. Right. And also, I think you also are restoring... What we're talking about is restoring the Jewishness to Jesus, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear me call him Yeshua, right? So I'm, re- I'm wanting to restore more of his, uh, his Jewishness to him because I think it... It is, um, it's imperative that his own people know he was a rabbi. He was a Jew. He was, he was the king of the Jews and he's coming again and he is going to set up a kingdom and he is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem and he's going to sit there. That's, you know, there's so many opportunities over centuries for us to, to minister and witness to them in such a way that, um, would appeal to them through their own history. But we, we haven't done that. What we did was, is we allowed, um, the Roman church, to make him a Greek guy, the blonde haired, blue eyed guy who rejected everything Jewish. And, you know, and we've thrown all that stuff to the side. And, and what we've done is we really slighted this group of people, um, because of the decisions of the large, the crowd that said crucify him really. Right. So, but they, I mean, it had to happen. Yeah, it was, it was scripture. It's going to, why are we mad? Had they accepted him for the Messiah that he is, he might not have been for the rest of the world. I mean, right. we, if they would have accepted him, I still think he would have been because I think that was his ultimate plan. But the uh, the idea is that you know he came out to all the Gentiles, the the rest of the world, because of that rejection, which is fantastic. Um, but at the same time, they hold a special place in his heart. Um, Revelation uh, talks about 144,000 witnesses that are raised up at the end time, and there are 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of the Jews. Um, so those are all Jewish men. There are 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. Um, so it's really interesting. He still has a plan for them. He still has a plan for that nation. He still has a plan for those people. Um, and as Christians, it behooves us a little bit to learn a little bit more of the history of the scripture and learn a little bit more about the feast and the festivals, because there's going to be some things there. You know, what I see when I look at this is I see the, I see a picture of the rapture, to be honest, we talked about it. You see the trumpet being blown. You see the people coming together. You see this atonement has been made. Um, and then you see the Sukkot, the dwelling and the tabernacling together with Christ. What did he say? He said, I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house. When I come again, I will draw you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. This is a tabernacling. So this is the perfect picture in the fall feast of Christ coming to receive his bride, take his people out and take them to a place to tabernacle with them. So like I said, Sukkot's coming up. You're going to have a couple different, uh, you got three actual fall feasts here. Um, so keep an eye out. I'm really always curious to see what happens in the world around this time of year. Um, I've made, I think I've told you before in the lab, one of the previous podcasts that I really think that 
because these fall in the end of the year and some of the other statements that Christ made, I really, I, I believe his return could be in the fall. Don't know. Don't really know when it is, but I look for things to happen in the world around these festivals and holidays. It always seems like something's going on. So, um, so keep your eye out and keep your head up and, uh, we're going to come back on another episode. Probably in the next episode, we're going to talk about, um, finding God in Gatorade. So I know that's a, that's, a, that's a little bit of a sideways step from this one. This is a little bit, you know, more biblical um, looking at a holiday. And so the next one is going to be a little bit more interesting um, from a different perspective, finding God in Gatorade. So check out uh, the podcast, keep it up, um, keep listening. We thank everybody for listening so far. This is by no means a professional broadcast. Um, <laughs> and we know that. And, and it's okay because we want to be, again, we're, we're trying to be real honest people with you. We're trying to be genuine. We want you to know that we are a working family. We're working folks and we are in, um, the world every day, just like you are. And we are struggling through just like you are, but we have a Messiah who has overcome the world and we overcome through him. Um, if you're somewhere else in the world, we see, we've got people, um, in Mongolia, I think today I, I saw we had some people in Mongolia that were listening. Um, so if you're around the world and you know, you're listening, thank you so much for that. Um, definitely. We pray for you. We pray for uh, uh, people around the world who are persecuted, um, every day for the cause of Christ. And we want to remind each of you to, to pray for them as well. Um, we are a body and a family and it's, it's our responsibility to remember those who are uh, being persecuted for the cause of Christ. So, uh, from us to you, we appreciate you and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye.